I think physically we we will not be one hundred percent match fit on Sunday, uh, but I, I think I think that's where I, I look at the squad and think the eleven who start are massively important. But the people on the bench, nine subs plus, we can use five. We can use five subs. There's going to be there's going to be strategic substitutions throughout the game from half time. I'm I'm almost convinced. So I think the team with the strongest bench, the team with uh, that makes the best substitutions probably will have a major effect on the game on Sunday. Inter Miami season is almost here, but as you just heard Phil Neville say, the team will not be at peak fitness for it. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio or Miami Total Football Radio. I am your co-host Franco Panizo on this week's podcast and joining me as always is none other than the recent birthday boy Steve Brenner. Steve, how was your weekend? How was your birthday? You had to got to celebrate one. We wished you happy birthday on Miami Total Football's Twitter account. I also gave you a text. I know you were busy celebrating with the missus on in the on the beach or in the ocean i mean tell tell the people what you were up to on your birthday i was thanking that thank you for the thank you for the birthday wish i do feel old now 43 i, I would just i describe myself as like a veteran if i was actually writing about myself which is actually no more than a veteran just sort of in the definitely in the very twilight of his career so um thank you i spent it in fort lauderdale which was very nice didn't didn't bump into any into miami people even though i was expecting to see Phil Neville walking down the boardwalk, maybe, or Jorge Mas having an ice cream. It, it didn't really happen, but um, we had a great time. It's, it's a great play. I actually saw interesting soccer tidbit on a little boat tour. We went on around the lakes, the, the back or the, you know, the the, the waterways that behind in Fort Lauderdale as you get out into the ocean. I saw Tottenham owner Joe Lewis's yacht moored outside his massive house. So there you go. You can't escape the soccer world, apparently. Not even in, uh, a, not even on a birthday weekend trip. Exactly. The, the, the guide who was, was lovely said, do you know anything about Tottenham Hotspur? And I said, yes. And she said, that is Joe Lewis's boat. And it's massive. So there you go. <laughs> sources. We have sources everywhere. So Even in the water. <laughs> Underwater sources, the lot. We're going to start the, on the Tottenham beat very, very soon. Steve, so you didn't, you're telling me you didn't even run into Chris Henderson to get the lowdown on Pellegrini and Matuidi? You didn't, you didn't even get that info? No, I thought I saw Chris... Uh, Chris Henderson with a guy that looked like Don Garber, but it wasn't it wasn't him. <laughs> so they were in they were in a bar somewhere, but it wasn't him. No, no, no. Okay, well that's unfortunate, but we have a lot to talk about. This is a jam packed episode. It is our season preview pod, and there's so much to talk about and so much that has happened since the last time we recorded. We're obviously recording much later in the week than we normally do, and that's because there's been a lot. Of things going on with Inter Miami, some moves. There was availability earlier today on Thursday, so we wanted to wait for that in order to have the most up-to-date info that we can provide you guys before we put out the pod. Obviously, there's no update on Matuidi's situation or Pellegrini's, but just in case there was, we wanted to record today just in case something came out in regards to those situations. They didn't, but still a lot to chew on. So we're going to talk about all that. We're going to do our preseason predictions for Inter Miami and we're going to touch on the number of different moves that Inter Miami has made Phil Neville's press conference today the Jorge Mas's press conference last week at the Drive Pink Stadium announcement so much to talk about so Steve let's get to it all right Steve so as we heard Phil Neville say at the very beginning of the show Inter Miami heads into this game at less than a hundred percent in terms of their match fitness now obvious reasons for that for anybody that's been following along inter miami has only had two games against opposing teams during preseason all the other games were canceled for a variety of reasons including a covid outbreak within camp how do you think this affects phil neville's decisions how do you think he goes about fielding his lineup. Does he go with his strongest 11 to start? Or do you think he'll, you know, obviously talk to his assistant coaches and look at the at the metrics and see where people are fitness-wise and make decisions, exclu- not exclusively, but uh, primarily off of that? 
Yeah, I mean, look, I think he's, he said that today in the in the press conference that you know his his starting eleven is is going to be key just because he doesn't know how long they're gonna they're gonna last, which sort of makes me sort of think that he's just probably going to ask them to try and take the the game by the scruff of the neck and and go for it and try and get as much as of the players out as much out of the players as he possibly can. I think he also said that you know substitutions are going to be key. It's probably going to be hot. It's going to be the you know it's middle of the afternoon. If it's anything like today, it was absolutely roasting here. I mean, I don't know what it was like a bit further south where you are, but um, you know, that's all going to factor in. And yeah, they haven't had the minutes in the in the legs. It's just, just plain and simple. I guess they, you know, they haven't. It hasn't been a complete waste of time. They have been training. They have been playing amongst themselves and, and stuff like that. But you know, in terms of just pure match preparation, it's left them a little bit short. But there's just nothing they can. There's nothing they can. There's nothing they could do about it, but it's um, it's going to alter his thinking, I think, because I think in the back of the mind, you could probably see that he's worried about the fitness and, and you know, how long his strongest team is, is going to last. Let's remember that, you know, they haven't got a lot, hell of a lot in reserve, so they can't mix it up too much. So are you expecting him to go with the strongest lineup? I would have thought so. Yeah, why not? I mean, he's got to, he's got to try and there's, there's no point being defensive and, and not you know, go just playing, trying to play out for a draw or not not go for it. I think he's he's probably going to go for it. He just doesn't know how much he's going to get out of most of those players. So you know, it may not it, look, it may not be as a high intensity pressing game or, or whatever. Maybe he'll ask them to to sit off a bit and and, and have to play it by ear. But that's you know that's it changes, doesn't it? That's it's all about his game management. This is where he starts to earn the money. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And he did say that that's going to be a big talking point or a big subplot in this game is how he and Greg Vanny managed the match. So Greg Vanny, the LA Galaxy head coach. Now, for me, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some surprises in the lineup. Now, we saw, and we'll talk about this a little more in depth a little later on, but we saw the presumed starters in last weekend's scrimmage. And today at practice during the open part, a lot of the same partnerships and pairings and groups were working together. It leads you to believe or to think that he's going to field his strongest lineup. However, after the 30 minutes were up today, Inter-Miami, and I, you know we saw this as we were leaving the, the training facility, they switched over to the other fields, the far side fields. Did they change things up? Did they show us on the media side what they wanted us to see and then maybe fill the different lineup? I don't know. I don't have that information, but I just would not be surprised if we don't see necessarily the best 11 or the strongest 11 because, look, we don't have access to the info or the or the, or the data, but those players wear bibs or those training tops underneath their jerseys that measures how much they can run, how much energy they're, they're, they're spending. It has all these different metrics that they can use to see where and analyze where players are. I would not be surprised if based off the information they have there that they don't go with their strongest lineup and that we do see something maybe a little bit different because how fit can Gregory really be, for example? Can he give you a half? Maybe. Maybe he can give yeah, you a half. I mean, but you're also you could also be risking injury by having players that are not fully fit play. So I, I would not be surprised if Phil Neville mixes and matches this lineup. That doesn't mean he's gonna sit back and park the bus. I'm not I'm not gonna go that far. But I would not be surprised if we do not see the same lineup that we saw in last week's scrimmage, the presumed starters that we saw in last week's scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, look, he, the quote is, you know, I think we won't be 100% fair. I think that is why I look at the squad and I think the left new start are massively important, but so too are the people on the bench. Um, you know, and he's also said that he's going to possibly make subs at half time, which is, you don't really hear a manager sort of saying that. You know, he said uh, there's going to be strategic substitution throughout the game from half from half time onwards. So it's, uh, you know, that that's a that's a an interesting admission because you just, you know, people, managers don't usually sort of come out and say that kind of stuff. It looks like he's trying to appear to mitigate for the fact that they're, um, you know, they're going to be short of, of match fitness, but you know, I don't think they're going to be that far away. You know, they still have been training in, in, in proper training for what, the last six weeks, but it's just, yeah, the, the minutes in your legs match wise is what they need. They've been playing in, in amongst themselves, but um, you know, only t- time will tell, I guess. Well, we'll see what they do on the weekend. We'll also talk about, our predictions for the starting lineup a little bit later on. We have other things to talk about, including, of course, what a lot of people have been asking about, and that's 
the Matias Pellegrini situation. As of right now, when we're recording Thursday night, there is still no resolution to, well, the 4DP dilemma. Every, all eyes, we say the Matias Pellegrini situation because all eyes are on Matias Pellegrini and everyone expects that he will be the one that is moved. There was a report last week by The Athletic after we recorded, it came out late in the week last week, that said Inter Miami was looking to trade him outright. Not alone, an uh, outright trade. He was at training today. He practiced with the team this morning. He actually got nutmegged really badly or really nicely, depends on how you look at it, by Gonzalo Higuain during the session. And you can see the video of that Meg on Miami Total Football's Twitter account or YouTube page. Really good Meg by, by Gonzalo Higuain. Steve, what do you think happens with Pellegrini? Well, I mean, you know, it's difficult. As we sort of speak now, it still hasn't been resolved. The club is still sort of angry with the fact that, you know, I was looking before just searching, just writing my piece for the weekend. And, you know, March 5th was the was the date that it was announced that the MLS were actually looking into the, the signing of, of Blaise Matuidi. And so we're now on April, April 15th and still they don't know. And I guess the problem, their problem is, is that if for some reason, you know, whatever the, whatever the outcome is, it could affect what they're going to do with, with different players. You know, if, if, if it becomes clear they, they definitely have to get rid of Pellegrini for, you know, for various reasons that we've already discussed, do they play him? What if he gets injured? Then they won't be able to get rid of, you know, to get rid of him in the first place. You know, there's all these different problems that are sort of stacked up by the fact they don't actually know what the, the outcome will be. It could be absolutely fine. They could get a, a fine and they'll move on and, you know, they'll get rid of Pellegrini or they'll do whatever adjustments they need to do but they don't actually have the clarity from the league on what the situation is. And it was coming up now to less than, you know, three days before the start of the, the season. So um, you can understand why they're a little bit sort of peeved, if that if you understand what that means. It, it, it resonates with another <laughs> yes, word. Yes, I, I, I know what peeved means, Steve. Yes, angry Steve, or peeved. Peeved Steve, peeved Steve. Look. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you just you just tied in two different things, which is the Pellegrini situation and the Matuidi situation, which understandably so, they are somewhat intertwined despite being kind of separate things. Inter Miami has 40 Ps. We know that. They need to get down to three by tomorrow or by the time, well, by the time some of you are listening to this because they have till end of day Friday to make a roster decision. Now, they're also waiting to hear about the investigation into Matuidi. Because like you said, and I think this is a very unlikely scenario, but if Matuidi is deemed ineligible to play this season for whatever reason, which, I again, I do not see that happening. I don't think MLS will go that route. Well, then they could technically keep Pellegrini in this hypothetical scenario and Matuidi would just have to train or figure or be moved. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to allow whatever they find in the Matuidi investigation, which... Don Garber said this week that would be resolved before the start of the season. So that we will have an answer for that apparently very soon. Maybe by the time you guys are listening to this. Whatever happens there, I think, and this is just my opinion, not any inside info I have on the matter, I think that they will end up having to move Pellegrini. And Matuidi will be eligible to play. Now whether you know Inter Miami gets a fine or not able to to make moves for a couple of transfer windows or, you know, whether it's just a slap on the wrist, who knows? But I think Matuidi will be on the team. I do not think Pellegrini will be on the team. Now, people have asked, well, could he be put on loan to the Fort Lauderdale CF team? I heard over the weekend that's very, very unlikely because Inter-Miami wants to look out for his development as well as also, you know, I guess you have to consider, is he going to be happy playing for Fort Lauderdale CF when he's signed a first-team deal, whether he met that level or not? You know, we've talked about that. Don't think he had a good season, but there's a lot of things that go into it, and I don't think you'll see him stay with Inter-Miami unless something absolutely wild happens with the Blaze Matuidi investigation. I, I, I honestly like could see them... If they don't find a trade partner by tomorrow to pull the trigger and there's been reports about, you know, Real Salt Lake or Montreal Club de Football, there's been different rumors. Montreal would kind of make sense because they're staying in the local market for at least three months. They have DP slots available, but I don't know. I don't know. I could see them outright just 
just cutting him. But that's what the LA Galaxy did a couple years ago with, with Giovanni Dos Santos. Not sure if MLS would be so willing to lose out on a player that they that the team spent so much money on. Because again, at the end of the day, MLS is paying the checks. They cut the checks at the end of the day. So maybe MLS puts some pressure on a team that's somewhat interested to, hey, come on, take them on board. That's stuff that happens behind closed doors or that can happen behind closed doors. But I would not be surprised if Matias, Matias Pellegrini was completely axed and cut and waived and was made a free agent. But can you just quickly explain the under-22 sort of regulation that was, that was brought in and why that isn't, a, that isn't an option for them? So apparently Matias Pellegrini, and I'm not a cap expert. That's definitely not my forte. So complex, rules are ever-changing. Very difficult to understand and comprehend. But from what I understand is that he makes too much money to fit under that threshold. So that's why he cannot go into the new under-22 initiative which is what Inter Miami thought he was going to be eligible for when they signed him. That's what Jorge Mas told us last week at the Drive Pink Stadium announcement. You were there for that. Jorge Mas said that that was the plan, that they believed that that would be the case going into this season. However, that's not the case. So someone messed up pretty badly there. Don't know if it's Paul McDonough or don't know if the plans along the way changing and signing Matuidi and signing Higuain, if something along the way just somebody messed up. So Inter Miami's now in a tough spot. We'll see what they do. We'll see what they do because it's just it's it's not a not necessarily the greatest thing to have happen or to be worrying about because you have two different dilemmas, right? You have the Matuidi and you have the Pellegrini situation, and they kind of go hand in hand. Now, Steve, on a brighter note, today Phil Neville said he will announce his captain for the team on Friday or Saturday. Didn't really say much else in terms of who it might be, although he noted that there are four leaders in the group. Those were his words, and there are four captains in the group, he said. But he's going to pick one. Who do you think it'll be? Give me your choice for captain with the knowledge that Gonzalo Higuain was the captain last year. Or I fin- think finished stick- the captain I- last year. I think he'll stick with, with Higuain. I think he, he said also what he, he felt that he was a great leader Mm-hmm. Uh, within the squad and in the, in, the, in the locker room and all that kind of stuff. So and he, he's the he's the most experienced player, I guess, has played at the, the highest level, biggest clubs in the world, Real Madrid, Juventus, played at the World Cup. Um, I just think, yeah, he's he's the kind of, he's the figurehead. And, um, you know, he spoke well about him today, saying, you know, he's a, he's a key guy to him. They've just got to try and get him in the box a bit more, which is when you think back to last season, if you, I've got this vision of him just always being most effective when he's dropping deep and really... His, you know, forte is, is getting getting the ball in the box and finishing it. But they took, people weren't able to get the ball to him. That was the problem. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with the, the bearded Argentine striker. I'm going to go in a different direction. Because I do agree that when he said, you know... Gonzalo it's not going to be Andres Reyes, okay? Not, <laughs> oh, man, shucks. I actually did interview him for a piece on SBS Soccer with the t- his time at the Red Bulls and how he's integrating there. If you're curious to see what Andres Reyes' whereabouts are, you can read that piece on SBISoccer.com. Now, going back to the captaincy, I am going to go in a different direction. I think it's going to be Leandro gonzalez Pires. That's just, again, no inside information into the matter. That's just my opinion on what I think will happen. Because Leandro gonzalez Pires speaks English and Spanish. He knows MLS very well. He's won in MLS. He served as captain for one game last season, at least one game last season, if my memory serves me correctly. And I think he has the qualities that Phil Neville spoke about today. Now, that does not mean that Gonzalo Higuain is not part of those four captains or those four leaders that Neville has in mind in the group. I absolutely think that's Higuain is one of them, I, You know, especially when he said, like you just mentioned, that he considers Higuain a, a leader in this team and in this locker room. But I think it's going to be Leandro gonzalez I, I I really do. I really think that the, he's going to go in that direction. And look, this is not the first time, and I know people that have seen Iguain play for Inter Miami, you know, wh- whether they share the opinion or not, I'm sh- you know, anyone that's watched Inter Miami or Iguain play since he joined MLS, or even before, has probably noticed this. When he's on the field, he tends to get pretty frustrated and visibly frustrated and we saw that even in the scrimmage last weekend is that what you want from your captain 
Yeah, you want passion. You want fight. passion is fine, but when you know, okay. but showing frustration like that again, I don't think it jives with necessarily with what Phil Neville said today. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I so. Think, That's, I, I think opposition, opposition players will will see him on the on the on the team sheet and be wary of him. And I think he he, he has that. He has that presence. I think you know that that's it. And he'll have that presence if he's captain. If he's not captain, it doesn't correct. I mean, that's what I'm saying. But it doesn't make any difference. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I that, that's just my opinion. Who, who who else do you think? Who else? Who else are the candidates in there? Who are the other two? Would you say that are in in contention? The Tweedy has to be one. And I guess so. He seems like quite quietly. We very rarely speak to him, really, do we? He seems quite sort of. Yeah, but he's got to be in there. He's a veteran. He's you know among yeah. the most experienced in that locker room. Yeah, I, you know the other one. I'm curious. I'm curious who who Phil was considering. There's not a great deal of contenders, really. Is there? Are there? I don't think. Um, you know, unless we're unless we're missing miss, missing someone. I mean, John McCarthy's pretty pretty fresh, isn't he? Um, Lewis Morgan. He's not really. Wouldn't say he's captain material, so to I speak. I would say I would say Nicolas Figal or Rodolfo Pizarro. Probably not Pizarro. I think I think it could be someone like Figal. I th- I I personally think so. Just because. Phil Neville, and this is a quick side note, did a Q&A session over Zoom last week with season ticket holders. And one of the things he said there, one of the notable things he said there was that Nicolas Figal has been the most impressive player, the, the most surprising player, uh, or excuse me, the player that's most surprised in this preseason. And he, he raved about his qualities and all these different things. So I could see it being someone like Nicolas Figal, who's right on the cusp of hitting his prime. But I think I think those around there, those are your four your four candidates for uh, for the leadership positions. There is other player news to talk about. There was a bunch of different players that we need to mention, and we're gonna run through them very quickly. Inter Miami signed officially signed the goalkeeper Nick Marsman. He'll join in July, very similar to the Kieran Gibbs deal. He'll finish out the season with Feyenoord, and then he'll join Inter Miami in July. So a starting caliber goalkeeper to fight for the number one spot with John McCarthy now there were some players that have been missing from practice and from the scrimmage so we asked today Phil Neville about Breche, Jay Chapman, Georgia Costa, Felipe Valencia and Christian McCoon now Neville gave quick little updates on them he said Shea's dealing with a back strain 50-50 for the weekend said Jay Chapman also dealing with the knock, didn't elaborate much more than that. Said Acosta and Valencia are training with the USL team, Fort Lauderdale CF. And he also said that McCoon is running. Didn't elaborate much more than that. Said he's running and they're hopeful that he can return to training by Friday. So not nothing super noteworthy there. I guess obviously Marsman is, is interesting because they, they made that official. So they've addressed a position that we thought was of need at the beginning of the, the preseason, the beginning of the offseason. Other players that Phil Neville touched on in recent days was Aimee Mabika, the big center back that they drafted this year. Phil Neville said over the weekend when I asked him about his status that they want to sign him. It's no secret. This was his quote. It's no secret that we want him to be an inter-Miami player, end quote. So another... He's Simon. going to be a big into Miami player because he is very, very tall. <laughs> he is very, very tall. He, you know, he's even bigger than Ryan Shawcross. But he looked, uh, he looked good when we, we we watched training the other day uh, after the last Friday. Yeah, he looked, uh, he looked, he looked pretty good. And yeah, he's just a big, big guy. If he could fill out a bit, yeah, he, that could be an interesting signing. Well, they definitely, you know, seem to like what he's got. And, and Phil Noble said he'll spend some time with the USL team. He'll spend some time with the Inter Miami team. But they do see a bright future for him now let's talk about two other players players that are on the Fort Lauderdale CF team that played in the scrimmage last week on the presumed backups team but that also are we're training today with the first team and that's fullbacks Brian Rosales the right back and Sammy Gadiri the left back now both of them are training with the first team, probably as a result of other moves that Inter Miami made in recent days, and that's a trade of Dylan Nealis to Nashville SC for some allocation money and a loan of Patrick Segrist to Indy Eleven for the season. Steve, do you think we'll see Brian Rosales and Sammy Gadiri dress this weekend? I mean, I. It's it's probably doubtful, isn't it? Don't you think? I mean, um, I think they're definitely going to dress. I, if they're training with the first team this week, they're absolutely dressing, and they're probably going to be cover for the fullbacks. 
Kelvin Leardam and Jovan Jones, who yeah, I mean, who might not be at 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 a hundred percent fitness after only recently arriving to camp. Yeah, you can imagine it. Like just going back to what he was saying just about the fitness sort of concerns or whatever. You know, he wants to try and have a bigger first team squad as as possible. You know, with I guess there's different levels of different levels of fitness for all, for all the players, isn't there? But um, you know, every, every, it's not like everyone's going to get a game. I mean, it's not not just like a game that down the park where you can just come in on and off whenever you want, but you know, he's he's the the depth of the squad isn't isn't that big, and I think that's where interesting where the USL team you know comes in as well. You know, it just gives them gives them more options, isn't it? Well, let's quickly talk about two more players, and that's Enzo Zidane and Harvey Neville. Enzo Zidane was not with the team at its scrimmage, and he hasn't been seen at training, so it seems like it's safe to say that his trial will end without a contract. Harvey Neville, Phil said. You know, his son, obviously, said that he's just here for training just to be, you know, with the family. They haven't seen each other in a long time. I have saw some people raise their eyebrows, though, if that's the case, why he started in the scrimmage for the presumed backups. Because if he's not going to be here long term, why give those minutes to him as opposed to somebody else that is going to figure in the plan? So I did see some people raise yeah. their eyebrows about that. Well, yeah, from, from what I understand with his son, you know, he's, he's on Manchester United's books right now. They're just trying to figure out if he's going to get any first team football at Manchester United. It's obviously, you know, very, very competitive, very difficult. And, you know, is it going to be worth him maybe looking at a, a lower club, either in a, low, a lesser club or in a lower division, just to get some game time? He's only 18. So it doesn't, didn't sound to me like he was, you know, he's just here seeing his dad. I don't think there's anything prospect of him signing, not right now. And um, and as of earlier this week with with Zidane, they were still looking at him apparently, but that that was the last I heard. So, um, I mean, he you know it's, they would have had they're going to have to sign him if he wants to play or be involved at the weekend. That that's not going to happen, is it? I don't think. Yeah, I didn't see him today. So you know, if, you know, yeah. strange that he wouldn't be around if they were still considering him. Now, let's quickly talk about that scrimmage because we've mentioned it a few times, and I know there were some fans in attendance, but not. A lot of fans, so some listeners may not have been there, may be curious about it. The presumed starters were on the team called Hair and White. They wore the all-white home jerseys. The presumed reserves, backups, were on the La Palma team, wearing the all-black road jerseys. The Hair and White team won by a 3-1 to score. First goal came from Robbie Robinson off a header. Rodolfo Pizarro skinned Christian McCoon for the second one later in the half. Then then Edison Ascona pulled one back for La Palma, stripped Nicolas Figal of the ball in the final third, in the defensive third, and Ascona was closing on goal and smashed the shot home. So that was 2-1 to one at halftime. But the game was put away off of a gorgeous through ball from Gonzalo Higuain to Kelvin Leardam, and Leardam smashed the ball home on his look, and that's your 3-1 to one score. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was, I wasn't there. I haven't seen it. I haven't pulled over the video footage. Was it, was it, was it competitive? Was it, were they, were they, was it full blooded? I mean, were they probably going for it, or was it just like a sort of, as what it is? is it was a practice game because that's what you know. You're not going to get them flying into tackles against each other, the, the same team, are you? That's the problem. And no, although, although there was one moment when Leandro Gonzalez Pires and Matias Pellegrini kind of collided and. Pellegrino was down on the ground for a minute or two, and Leandro Gonzalez Pires afterwards was like, "Sorry, man, my bad, my bad." Uh, but other than that, I mean, yeah, like you said, it, it was a scrimmage. It's a practice game. I mean, you did see them put in some some energy and some fight, but it, it's they're not scrapping and and fighting like they would for an MLS game with points on the line. So you know, it's hard to judge on, on that sense. However, there were some interesting takeaways, and to me. The biggest one was that Inter-Miami went from a 4-2-3-1. Both teams started out in 4-2-3-1 formations, but the presumed starters would drop into a 4-3-3. And I've tweeted out a picture of this on my Twitter handle, at Franco Panizo. I have posted it on at MIA Total Football's Instagram account. It's, there's a clear as crystal image, and I, you know, I also added some graphics to help make the point, but... They moved into a 4-3-3. Pizarro would drop into the midfield line with Gregori and Matuidi. And then the wingers, which were Lewis Morgan and Robbie Robinson, they would go very high and almost make that, that front line of three. Not almost, they would make that front line of three with Gonzalo Higuain. I expect Inter-Miami, if they don't start this weekend's game in a 4-3-3, that we'll see them play the 4-3-3. They'll morph in and out of it 
over the course of the match with the LA Galaxy and this season because they want to get Rodolfo Pizarro touches on the ball. And like we said, and we touched on this last week, Pizarro's not a 10, and his best days were in his career have been, a lot of them have been when he's played as like an 8 box-to-box midfielder, helps bring the ball forward. Obviously, he's still going to be relied on to help create some things in the final third because he's one of the more technical players on the squad. But I, you know, I think they're going to. I think you'll see plenty of this four-three-three this season. Well, I mean, just looking back at some of, I have been looking back at some of England's uh, Phil Neville's teams when he was at the World Cup with England's women, and you know, he did favour four-three-three um, as as a formation for sure. So, I mean, you know, he, he wanted to. To cause problems all over the park, but certainly affect affect the game centrally, which was which would what hap- would happen with sort of three three in midfield and that, that the two front guys on the on either side with you know Iguain as the spearhead. So that that's what he's preferred in the past. Of course, it's different team, different players, different situations. Um, so we'll have to see. But you know he he could be flexible and depending, like we said, on the game management, he could alter it and and ask them to sit back. Um, I guess he'd be. Change formation if he would do that. He wouldn't play four three three. Probably maybe go to a flat flat four midfield. Maybe I'm not sure, but um, that's certainly what he's favoured in the past. You definitely love that four four two, man. You just love it. You just love it. It's just traditional, man. You know, <laughs> traditional. It's easy. Get, get everyone to sit back. Nice two banks of four. Even get the other guy to, to the other midfielder to drop in, and then that's it. It's it's a defensive way, I guess, of playing, um, but effective. Okay. Okay. Well, look, I again. I think they'll go 4-3-3. If not to start, they'll use it throughout the season. They'll probably keep the 4-2-3-1 as well in their back pocket just to have different looks and different moments. Now, the other talking point in that was that Robbie Robinson, it's now been officially confirmed that we've seen it. He's playing as a left winger right now, and he was with the presumed starters. I don't think he had a particularly great game. He scored, but... Just still from the run of play, I didn't see a whole lot from him. You know, he's obviously still learning the position. It's something he talked about after the game. He's still, he's still trying to figure out when to attack, obviously without completely ignoring the fact that he has to run back and defend. He said it's a lot more running than the striker spot that he's played for most of his college career and, and most of last season when he did get on the field. So I don't know if he's going to be the answer there. At least not this season. I don't know. I just I haven't seen enough from him to be impressed. I know others were in, you know, were happy with his performance and his and the goal he scored, but I just don't know if I see it. And that's a position that they wanted to address. You know, I think that they wanted to address. They said they wanted to add an attacking piece. They didn't really add that piece. They added Jovan Jones, left back, can play there. I expect he'll see some minutes at some point this season. But what do you think? Do you think we'll see again left mid be the problem position that it was in 2020? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we spoke to Lewis Morgan earlier as well, didn't we? And, he, you know, he said that Phil Neville's asking to maybe play a little bit more century, whereas Diego Alonso wanted him to play a little bit more out, you know, on the wing, or on, the, on, the, on the left-hand side. So, you know. You always say that. You always say that Lewis Morgan played on the left-hand side, but he did not. He played on the right-hand side, brother. But he said it. He said it today. He said that today. No, he did not. No, he, he didn't. Did. No, he didn't. He didn't? No. I think he actually said the opposite of what you're saying. I think he said... From what I'm remembering, and now we obviously were have contradictory stories here, but he said that he would stay wide with Diego Alonso, and he's staying higher with with uh, Phil Neville, and Phil Neville asking him to get behind more and, and try oh, to okay. try to stretch defense. I thought he he meant that he he wanted to play to, him to play more centrally, which would have gone on with what we were told earlier in the season was why they were chasing a left winger, but um, you know. Who, who we'll have to listen back to the tape. <laughs> you also say that he played on the left, though, and Lewis Morgan did not play on the left. He played predominantly down the right last year. Just, okay, just... but he, he floated around. He's got that ability to float around. <laughs> he, he did move around a bit. <laughs> he he had different games where he did appear in the middle. He had a couple games where he was playing, uh, you know, appeared on the left, but he was predominantly the right midfielder last year. Predominantly. But speaking of which, maybe here, you know, here, you can tell me if you want to put Lewis Morgan on the left. Give me your lineup for Sunday. Who do you think starts? The whole team? Yeah. Oh, you're putting me on the spot here, man. Um, well, McCarthy, Gonzalez, Perez, and Figal in the middle. Okay. 
Um, Leodam and Jones, I think, you know, those are the two fullbacks that, that have come in. And then we're going to have Matuidi, Gregore, and yeah, maybe, well, Pizarro in there, maybe. And then Morgan, Iguain, and Alara, maybe, up front. So you're telling me Ulloa is the left midfielder? Uh, it's the left winger. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not allowed to put Lewis Morgan there. So I mean, I mean, you, know you can if that's what you think's going to happen. Well, it's a it's a fluid f- front three. I think that will maybe you know maybe move around. Maybe um, you know. A lot no, depends on no, what happens. I will bet you a hundred thousand dollars that Uyoa does not start in that position because Uyoa is a center midfielder. There's no way they're putting him on the wing. Right. Okay. Well, well we should see. <laughs> you want to you want to take me up on that bet? A hundred thousand dollars. Uh, if I had a hundred thousand dollars, no, I would not uh, bet it on that. <laughs> okay, okay. I will. I will say your lineup with Robbie Robinson on the left. Again, I'm going to play it safe and say that Neville goes with his strongest lineup. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see something different. I would not be surprised. Again, now we don't like you know what could possibly be different there. Well, Uyoa in the middle for someone like Grigori is a possibility. Because of you know where Grigori is fitness wise, even Phil Neville talked about that over the weekend when I asked him about Grigori. He said that he's playing catch up fitness wise, so I could see that as a possibility. You know, I could see maybe Sammy Gadiri or Brian Rosales maybe getting a surprise start at one of the fullback spots if either Jovan Jones or Kevin Leardam aren't necessarily at their best fitness levels. Now that would entail having a short term loan. And officially on the books from Fort Lauderdale CF, but that I could expect we could hear that either Friday or Saturday because if they're training with the first team again, I'll reiterate that they're going to be in uniform this weekend. That's just that's just my opinion. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what Phil Noble does. We'll see how the game unfolds. It's definitely going to be an interesting one because there's not only is the season opener eight thousand fans in the stadium, it also has this wrinkle of the team not being at their best fitness wise. Steve, let's take a quick break because we've talked quite a bit. We have our preseason predictions to submit, as well as talk about a couple other things that Jorge Mas touched on last week after this. Attendance for the first three games will be 8,000 fans. Uh, we're sold out for, uh, for game one. Um, I, will, I anticipate we'll sell out for games two and three. We're well on our way to do that. We're anticipating that in our fourth game, which I believe is May 29th, um, we're going to increase the capacity. Um, so we're working on that. Obviously, it depends on the rollout of vaccines, people's safety protocols. But, but it is our hope and our anticipation that on May 29th, we'll have 16,000 fans here. Steve, I know everyone's waiting anxiously to hear our preseason predictions. I'm actually really curious to hear yours, especially after you said Uyo would play left midfield. I'm very curious to see how, uh, how wild the predictions are. But before we do that, let's just talk quickly about what happened at the end of last week, which was the stadium naming rights deal. Inter-Miami officially announced that the Inter-Miami CF Stadium is now known as Drive Pink Stadium, just as I had reported in the last week. So that is the name of the venue going forward. It's a three-year deal with AutoNation. AutoNation also landed the sponsor, the jersey sponsor for the training top. So the game day jerseys, the white one and the black one, still remain bare. Steve, you were there for the press conference. What'd you make of the whole thing and just the announcement that they've, you know, at least they have that deal done. They have the stadium naming rights deal done with a local local business. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, we, it, we, it was very emotional, wasn't it? The the the, the compare who was who was hosting it from NBC, you know, she she was a breast breast cancer survivor. She'd been touched by Auto Nation's, um, you know, breast cancer charity Drive Pink, which is obviously the name of the stadium now. Then. Um, I think he, the the guy that, that that stood up was the chief of, of consumer affairs or customer affairs or something like that, but spoke very movingly. A great talker, Mark Cannon, it was his name, um, and he he kept he broke down in tears a couple of times just talking about how he helped how he they've helped out cancer patients in the past, and you know so that was that kind of feeling. And you know Jorge Mas, you know then uh, you know sort of explaining why they wanted to partner with Auto Nation and, and the whole drive pink thing. It just it fitted you know really nicely, and that was a really nice event and. You know, it was, you know, just good, good optics for the club. Not that they need the optics anyway, but just to be involved in, in something like that locally in the ground of South Florida uh, was a really, you know, nice touch. And it, it seems like a nice sort of partnership. But 
it, it's not they're not a shirt sponsor jersey sponsor you know like you said that's just for the training tops and for the stadium as we said it's not worth a multi you know it's worth maybe three four five million dollars to the to the team if, team if, if that um so we're still waiting on, on the jersey sponsor so um you know and we don't really there hasn't really been too much of an update since we sort of last spoke what well, yeah putting this time last week what we did hear last week was Jorge Mas say that they're close and that it was possible that it could happen before the season in terms of a jersey sponsor. Because we asked him about that, because he had said back in the end of February at the La Palma jersey unveiling that he expected to have a jersey sponsor on the game jerseys by the start of the season. Let's listen to what he said with regards to where they stand in those negotiations. We're very close. I mean, these negotiations are, you know, because, because they're partnerships. And it's not a negotiation of X versus Y. It's how do we activate? So we're we're talking about using our global platform because Inter Miami does have a global platform. Um, we have global reach, um, so I mean that's an advantage of what we do. And it doesn't necessarily complicate it. It just makes it that it gives us more opportunity to activate, and that's what we're looking at. Steve, when you hear him say that, do you believe him? Do you believe Jorge Mas that they're close? I mean, he said they've been close for for a while. They're working on it, aren't they? I'm sure. I'm sure they are because as we we mentioned last week, you know. With the loss of revenue from from ticket sales, getting the, the the club sort of finances in order in terms of sponsorships is 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 key. Um, and they still haven't done it. I'm sure they have. There hasn't been a lack of options, but we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, yeah, no, he's been saying they've been close for a while. He said they've been working on AutoNation, you know, for for a while as well. Um, only time will tell. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm back on the fence, but <laughs> we don't we don't really, we don't really know. And, you know, he. I'm sure they're working hard on it, but it, it is. It is a bit of a strange one, isn't it? He, he did. We did ask him, didn't we, about whether or not the pandemic has sort of slowed down, you know, negotiations, and and it's made life more difficult. It's made the business world completely diff- difficult, and you know, everything is just a bit more uncertain. Maybe people are less willing to to part with their with their money in the current economic climate. Um, so there are a number of factors sort of p- playing into it, um, really. So it's just a. He says they're working on it. I'm sure they are. He, I'm not going to say he got testy, but his tone did change when you asked him about not having, you know, the finances or, or the revenue coming in. And, you know, he said, we're not going to do things because they're convenient. We're going to do things the right way. And that's what we're going to do with all our sponsorships. I believe that they're working on it. I just, I'm not sure if they're as close as he makes it seem. Because he also he's got to say the right things, and he's, he's he is a positive guy, I think, by nature, and he you know he's, he's trying to say the right things. But you know the fact that it's taken so long is just a little bit of a, a concern, I would have thought, for him. Um, you know, any, anyway. He also provided a Miami Freedom Park update. We go back to February, and he had said then that you know within 30, 30 to forty five days, he expected a deal to be done and agreed upon so that, you know, they could take that to the city commission. That's not done. He said this time that they're at 95% or 95% of the way there, that they're just coming to the final terms before they can do that. And again, he said four to five to six weeks, very similar time frame. Where do you think things stand there? Do you take that at face value? I just, I just, th- I mean, yeah, I mean, but they've been saying, again, saying all along, is you know, they're part of the process of waiting. I just think, just basically, I think they've got so many different hoops to jump through before they even get to the point where we're looking at some guy putting a first building block in, on Melrose Golf Course. I mean, the parking, the, the you know, the zonal thing, everything, every, there's so many different hurdles they have to clear. Um, I just think that's just, that's going to be going on in the back burner um, for, for, for the time being. Um, and that's another thing they're, they're working on. You know, I was just researching again, just for the preview piece, you know, one, one of the co-owners is, you know, is the richest man in Japan, Masayoshi Son, um, you know, and they want to, they, that's where they see the money is to create this sort of business park with SoftBank as a huge telecommunications company and, you know, turn into the Silicon Valley of, of for Central and South America and all this sort of stuff. It's a long-term plan. Is it going to be start happening within the next year? I, I I doubt it very much, but they're working on it. I just think the red tape is just crazy and different commissioners coming in and different, you know, dealing with the, the city of Miami and everyone else is involved and people don't want the golf course to go. It's, you know, let's, I think we need to concentrate more on what's going on in the pitch right now because I think that's going to be a very, very slow-moving process with the stadium in Miami. And just for clarity's sake, 
Moss did say that it's just about getting lease terms agreed to. That that's what the last 5% is, and that's what they're going to be working on for the next four, five to six weeks. Now, Steve, let's quickly change gears and mention that there was a hire officially announced last week, and that's that Xavi Asensi is officially the chief business officer for Inter Miami. Maybe he'll be able to help get a jersey sponsor deal done because apparently he was part of the process for the AutoNation deal. Um, yeah, apparently you know, he's been working on it for the last sort of six weeks. Um, was was a key driver in, in getting the, the 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 deal over the line. But I think Jorge Mas said that when we spoke to him that they'd all, they'd been in discussions with AutoNation for quite a while. But this guy comes look from a decade working in Barcelona. He's only he's only young. I think he's only he's what is he only early. Th- uh, mid thirties, I think. Thirty nine. He's oh. thirty nine. He's only thirty nine. He's been he's been at Barcelona for the last ten years. So when he started, he was in his you know his early early thirties. So he's clearly a, a very bright guy, well connected. Um, you know, he's worked with at the biggest football club in the world. Unfortunately, they did have a have had a lot of financial problems. Maybe I don't know if that's why why he's left. But uh, if everyone anyone wants to have a deep dive on the sort of perils of Barcelona's finances, it's probably worth a read. It's not all his doing. I wouldn't have thought they um the fact they pay hundreds of millions of pounds of dollars for players and then don't play them or whatever. I think that's probably more more to it. But they've also suffered with a loss of revenue. But um yeah, I mean clearly a guy with a great with a great CV, and um, it'd be interesting to see how he gets on. I know you love nerding out on on financial figures because when we've talked on and off the mic, you like that's, I've heard Steve Brenner get very passionate about the financial figures. I think that's something that's like really of interest to you. I don't know. I could be I could be wrong, but that's just some, something I've. Uh, it's it's I've what makes the club go round. Without it, you know, they're, they're, you know, what what would you have? You know, it's not just, <laughs> it's not just turning up at, as you were saying, not just turning up at the park having the kick around. These are these are financial institutions, businesses. That's why these people are involved to try and try and make some some money. Even though in MLS it's, it's a little more difficult than, than in Europe or maybe South or Central America. But anyway, okay, Steve. So let's 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 switch gears and do our season predictions. Let's run through them really quickly. Let's start with Team MVP. At the end of the season, we'll see how we did. You know, we we got we got to we got to put ourselves out there as well and say, hey, this is what we think. If we get it right, spot on. Kudos, clap. You know, pat on the back. If we get it way wrong, well then, you know, we'll have to eat crow. But that's just part of, of covering sports. So, Steve, team MVP, who will it be in 2021 for Inter-Miami? Yeah, I, th- I think Iguain's going to step up. You know, he, he was interesting today when you asked him in, in Spanish about, you know, his form. And he said he, he did find it very, very difficult adapting to MLS. It's different than when he was playing in Serie A. It's far more physical. Uh, you know, he came in the middle of the season. He just finished in Juventus. Everything with the pandemic, blah, blah. It, it took him time to settle. I just think when you see, and you'll, we will see, hopefully, in the weeks to come, that when he gets on the ball, he is a, just a class apart, I think, from, from many other players, not only in the Inter-Miami team, but also in the, in the league. So I think if he can, look, if he can get 20-plus goals, I think then that would be absolute key. But, you know, the problem, obviously, is, is getting the ball to him in the, in the first place, et cetera, et cetera, which we covered. So... I, I, I think it's time for, to him, for, for him to, set, to step up. You know, this, it's a big season for him. Would they want to keep him again for a third season if he doesn't produce, earning the money that he does? Um, so, you know, he's, it's, it's time for him to produce, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with you that I think it's time for him to produce because he only had one goal last year. We talked about that. He got it off of a free kick, so he didn't even score from the run of play. Now, like I told him when I asked him my question, I think that was also, or more in part, due to the function of the team and how the team was performing it or not performing well, that more than than anything about the level of his quality or, or of his performances. However, you know, Phil Neville said today they don't want him dropping back to pick up the ball. They want him in the box so he can show off the lethal finishing that has made him who he is. So. Let's see if if Iguain sticks with that because you know when the ball's not coming to you as a striker and it seems like especially with him he tends to drop back. It's not the first time a player has done that. We've I've seen that with Thierry Henry when he was with the Red Bulls. I've seen that with David Villa at times with New York City FC. You know when the ball's not getting to them, they want to get involved in the game and they drop back. and he, And Iguain did that during the scrimmage. He he definitely dropped back, and I was surprised that even then he didn't take up areas in the penalty box 
that often. You know, I, I still thought he dropped back a little bit too much, but we'll see how they play out. I also agree with you that I think he'll be the team MVP because I do not think that he can have another poor season. I think he's going to kick it up a level or two or three. I wrote a feature on him based off the availability we had today. And, you know, I I started with the lead with the examples that there have been in MLS history of big name players, star players coming in their first seasons midway through the year from Europe and not doing well. And then the second season, once they've settled, once they've had a proper preseason to really get their fitness at, at where it needs to be and understand their teammates and the tactics and everything, then they do well. Not always, but it's happened plenty of times. Thierry Henry, Tim Cahill, and Frank Lampard are just three examples of that. So I expect Iguain to be the next example in that. The guy that steps it up in year two and plays to the level that people expect of him. So if we both have him as team MVP, do you consider him to be the top goal scorer for the team, right? We, I mean, I would ha- we would have to say so, right? Yeah, I mean, you would have you would have thought so. You can't really see. I mean, Lewis Morgan obviously weighed in last year with goals and assists, but um, you know, yeah, if 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 Guay can get fifteen or more, I think that they'll they'll be in decent shape. But then he needs other people to weigh in, you know, around him. That's where guys like Lewis Morgan and Lower, I guess, you know, comes into it. Uh, maybe Matuidi will pop him up with the odd goal. You know, it's um, that's that's the problem, isn't it? It's finding finding the goals to score and then trying to keep them out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's how many 50, goals? 50. How many goals? Give me a I number. Think anything, anything no, give more me a number. No, 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 don't, sure. no, 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 no riding the fence here. Give me a number. How many goals does he get this season? 17. 17. Okay, write it down. I will say 21. And I, I mean, I per- personally, just my opinion, I think he needs to get 25 plus because of the salary he's on, but I'll say he gets 20. 21. He'll have a 20-goal season, but he won't have a 25-plus goal season. I think he'll have 21. That's just, again, my prediction. Now, Steve, who will be the breakout player? The player that maybe isn't on everybody's radar, but is going to have a good a good season? Well, but yeah, Grigore, we've not really seen, we've not really seen him play, but... Um... You know, and he's, he, it could be interesting to see just how he dovetails with with Matuidi. Um, but you know, I guess you know Pizarro as well. We, we we talked about him a lot last season that we needed him to sort of step up and and show his quality. And I think if if Higuain has a good season, then you know Pizarro hopefully will, will follow him as well. And just being able to produce and just add, you know, uh, become that sort of link between midfield midfield and attack. So you know, I, I want to see a sort of good good season out of him or certainly a more consistent one than we had than we had last season really so you're saying breakout will be Pizarro and you're saying maybe newcomer will be Gregory yeah yeah quite possibly so not Ryan Shawcross you're not putting Ryan Shawcross in there we don't really know about Ryan Shawcross fitness I mean is he even going to start the game on Saturday we haven't spoken to Ryan Shawcross um, which kind of leads me to think that he he may be a little bit away from starting yet. I, I would have thought if I'm looking for any conspiracy theory whatsoever. <laughs> um, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. I think it's a fair assessment. I, you know, I yeah, think, he, I think yeah. he's he's not going to be uh, a starting factor until later on in the season. But I do think they brought him on to to be a starting center back on this team. And if he gets back to full health, I think that he'll start. Um, but I, it's I, a long season. I think it's what you mean. You know, it, they're going to play a full season this year. Remember, last season was mm-hmm. only twenty-three games, wasn't it? And I think you made your point in your piece, which I've uh, taken out of and used in my piece, is the fact that um, <laughs> only the top seven, only the top seven, will qualify for the playoffs. Is that that's right, isn't it? Instead of the top yes. ten from last season. Yes. Yes. Uh, so you've heard it here first, folks. Steve has plagiarized my. <laughs> <laughs> Steve has plagiarized my article. No, I'm just, I'm just you, kidding, I'll you, Steve. I'll send you a three. I'll send you twenty-five cents in the post. Thank you. Twenty-five quid, brother. Twenty-five quid. Oh, okay, okay. I, my breakout player will be Gregory. Although I, I like, I like your pick of Pizarro because you know he needs to step up just like Matuidi does. But I think it'll be Gregory as the the breakout player. That also again makes him for me the newcomer. Now, give me a player that you think will not live up to expectations. So that's a that's a tough one. I'm going to go um, Ryan Shawcross. I'll let you think. I'm going Ryan Shawcross. I don't think he, based off of his injury history and just lack of playing time over the last years, I don't think he's going to find his best form 
especially at his age in MLS. Now, you know, again, I'm also not super high on Robbie Robinson from what I've seen and from the fact that he's going to be adjusting to a new position, but I think the the player that, you know, might not play that well or doesn't doesn't really impress or doesn't reach a certain level, I, that's Ryan Shawcross for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, Matuidi, I guess maybe that that's, could be an interesting one just to see. Has all this stuff affected him? You know, he's this, this probably is going to be, you know, his last season maybe. You know, I, I don't know. He's, he's earned a lot of money throughout his career. He's, he's, he's getting on a little bit. Um, has he still got the hunger and desire to, to, to really do it at, the, at this at this level, at this stage of his career, having won what everything he's won? Um, so that there, yeah, maybe it's going to be interesting to see how he gets on. Okay, last two here. Steve, where does Inter Miami place in the regular season in the Eastern Conference? Where do they finish? And by telling me that, you'll tell me if you think they make the playoffs or not. I mean, you know, it's interesting. We're, when you cover a team like like we kind of cover, and I had this in when I worked in England with Newcastle, you, you, you're sucked into the bubble where you, mm-hmm. you, you're just concentrating on yourself. You're not really, there's not too much outside noise. But if you look what other people, the Athletic or different people like that are predicting, no one's really predicting Inter Miami to do much at all this season. You know, they think it's a kind of mishmash of a squad and, you know, suspect defensively, haven't really got much in attack. No one's, no one's, you know, tipping Inter Miami to win the title. But I guess, you know, it, with Phil, Phil Neville and, and those guys, they're, 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 they're you know, they're, they know the situation. They know that how they, they sort of struggled badly last season and what they needed to improve on. I think the, they have to reach the playoffs is 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 a minimum requirement, really. But that's it? not. But that's not where they finish. You're 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 beating around the bush here. Where do they finish? Yeah. I, th- I think that well, to get in the top seven, it's gonna it, it's gonna be hard. And I think it's um you know they they're gonna need to make a, a good start. You know, look if if after the first three or four games. And they they they're three and zero or three and one or something like that. And I think. But that's, if if be... no 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 ifs, where do you think they finish the season, Steve? You are you're not being direct here. Give me a concrete answer. No riding the fence on this one. I think they would just about sneak into the playoffs. So seventh. Yes. <laughs> okay, I will agree with you that you know when you're on the local beat when you follow a team on a day to day you do tend to or it's. Not uncommon for it to happen where you get tunnel vision. And I could very easily see the team not making the playoffs, but I'm not going to ride the fence. I say they make it. I say they will finish seventh. Seventh in the Eastern Conference in 2020. I have a lot of questions about their depth and you know whether they have enough over the course of the season to, to really pick up consistent results. But I think they're too talented, at least in their first 11, 12, 13 players, to not be a playoff team because like you said they could be better and not make the playoffs this year but they I think they'll I think they'll make it I think they'll squeeze in again seventh place in the Eastern Conference so we both agree that they're just on the cusp of making it and remember also you know last season you know they were about to start then the pandemic hit then they didn't play for a few weeks so it was all you know it was such a mess you know logistically and and everything like that uh, last season so well, we'll have to wait and see. Last question. If we both have them making the playoffs, how far do they go? I say they go out first first or second game in the playoffs. They're not making a deep run. This team's not making a deep run. No, I, like I said, I think, I think considering everything that's gone on, I think getting into the playoffs will, will be a success. And then after that, it's, you know, it's cliche, but it's a lottery. You just never know, do you? So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's the, the minimum is to get into the playoffs. And anything anything on top of that, I think, is, is a bonus considering... You know, the lack of preseason and, you know, all the other stuff that we've drawn. No, 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 Steve Brenner. Come on, Steve. Give me a concrete answer. Not that, oh, well, if they, you know, if they get in the playoffs and then whatever's there is is a bonus. No. First game, second game, conference finals, MLS Cup. Get through the first game and lose lose heartbreakingly to um, the Philadelphia Union in, uh, in in the second round. Okay, you came all the way with an opponent. I like it. I like it. I'm going to say that they lose... In the first game of the playoffs again, that that's I just don't think this team has enough to to make it much you know make it further than that. But we'll see, we'll see. We have plenty of games to watch before we get to that point. So, Steve, let's take a break there. We'll come back for our Q and A session and our final thoughts after this.
All right, Steve, Q&A time. Let's run through it because we've been yapping for quite a bit, including locking in our preseason predictions. I can't wait to come back at the end of the year and see how we did. So first question comes from Fighting Herons. It says, isn't it odd that Pellegrini is still training with the club a day before he's supposedly being shipped off to another club? Seems an unnecessary injury risk. Is sending him to Fort Lauderdale CF for the season a possibility? I'll start here, Steve. Again, from what I was told over the weekend, it's very unlikely that they loan him out to Fort Lauderdale CF. He would have to want to stay here that badly and accept that role, and it just doesn't seem like that's a likely scenario. It's like, Technically, I guess it's possible. It's possible, but I would say it's very, very unlikely from what I've heard. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, from his, his side of it, why would he want to drop down with no disrespect to, to you know the USL team, but you know, he was signed as an MLS player on good money. And I think he's going to want to drop down. I don't blame him really. So, um, but again, the situation is uncertain. They don't know what's going to happen. So um, everything's, everything's up in the air. It's not fair on the club. It's not fair on the player. I mean, like we said, the investigation started on March 5th. We're now talking on the 15th of April and they still don't know. I mean, it's, MLS say that they're conducting a very thorough review. It's very, 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 very thorough indeed. <laughs> so we had a question a few days ago before we even asked for questions on this week's show, but let's let's acknowledge it because it came in. Sebastian Delgado asked, how do you think Iguain will fare this season? Do you think he will do good enough to change the team's form and lead the group to a good campaign? We both said that we think he'll have a bounce back year. He'll be the, the latest. Beard. The beard. <laughs> the beard. beard and... Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I agree that I think he's going to have a bounce back year. Because if he doesn't, if he falls short, Inter Miami is going to have a very hard time maximizing its its potential this this season. Steve, the next question comes from Gabe P. Franco, what's the possibility that Iguain plays as a 10 since he has been dropping more to create plays? I see him doing that and giving Carranza a bigger role as a 9. You want to start there, Steve? You want me to start? Yeah, I mean, his, his forte is... The fox in the box, the guy that gets on the end of crosses and through balls and, and, and puts them away. So I, I don't want him to really play too deep. And then if he does play too deep, then who's going to, you know, Carranza was, was very highly, he has been highly rated in the past. He's, he's you know, he's, he's no dud. He's a decent player. It's just, he hasn't got that sort of goal scoring knack that I don't think that, that Higuain has and has done in the, has proven at the highest level. So, uh, you know, it's a case, again, we're repeating ourselves, of getting the ball to him rather than him providing the passes. So to answer the question directly, I think he plays as the 9. I don't think he plays as the 10. I agree with you that we've seen him, Gabe P. We've seen Iguain drop back and pick up the ball and try to get involved, and I think we could see that just as a natural occurrence in games, just as things unfold, but that's not where you want him. And that's not where Phil Neville wants him because his bread and butter throughout his career is his finishing, is his goal scoring. That's why you're paying him reportedly $8 million and he's reportedly the highest paid player in Major League Soccer right now. You get him in the box as much as possible, keep him there, let him get on the end of things and finish plays rather than create. He did show off a good through ball into Kelvin Leardam over the weekend in the scrimmage. And he has that in his game, and maybe at times you'll see that, but I think you need to see him at the 9. I think Phil Neville will insist that he plays the 9. Okay, the next question comes from Jorge Medina, and it says, is it likely we'll see Ascona get some playing time this MLS season? Steve, I think Ascona has very good qualities with the ball, and I think he performed well in the scrimmage, was one of the standout performers. However... I do not think he'll get a ton of minutes this year. He'll get some minutes. I'm confident he'll get some minutes. But I don't think he's going to get a ton of minutes. He played with Fort Lauderdale CF the day before the scrimmage. He played the first half of that game. I expect that they'll send him there throughout much of the year to just get minutes and continue to develop and grow. Because physically, I mean, he's small and he's probably not going to get much bigger in that sense. But physically, he could probably get a little stronger. And he also needs to figure out and work on the defensive side. It's not all about just having the ball at your feet, especially at this level in MLS where you need to be more of a two-way player. So I think he'll have minutes. I think he'll probably do well with those minutes, but I don't think we're going to see a ton from Edison Ascona in 2021. No, 
It's highly rated, though, isn't he? When you speak to people at the club, they do think that he's going to be a, a prospect for the future. So, again, you know, we, we'll you see the sort of, you know, synchronicity between, you know, the USL team and, and the first team and, you know, how they're trying to produce all these players. So, it's, I think it's encouraging that, you know, they, they've got these sort of guys coming coming through, but maybe just not ready yet to make an impact in the first team. Okay, well, that does it, because that was actually the last question of the Q&A session. So, that does it for our season preview podcast we always do our final thoughts but i'm going to pick what our final thoughts are here steve give me a prediction for sunday's game against the la galaxy and if you're really feeling up for it give me goal scores for inter miami i think it will be a tetchy one-all draw um lewis morgan with the goal and everyone pleased that they got off to a start with a point I will say a 2-1 defeat, Gonzalo Higuain with the goal, but I think Inter Miami falls. I think their fitness will catch up to them. I think that their depth or lack thereof will catch up to them as well. I know that sounds a little bit negative, but that's just my opinion. I just I just, I just I just I just don't <laughs> I just don't see it, man. I, you know, and usually when you're playing in front of the home crowd and the home opener, that can stir you on and push you on. And I think it will have an effect, but just the lack of preparation, the, the fitness issues that they that they have, I just don't see them winning. If they win, I'll come back next week and say, look, I was wrong, but I don't, I don't think they'll win. I think a two to one loss happens for them to start to 2021, but let's leave it there. That does it for this week's pod. It was a jam packed one, a lot of nuggets, a lot of different things to talk about. We'll be back next week. We'll try to be back earlier in the week like we normally are to analyze the match against the Galaxy and what we saw and thought from Phil Neville's official first game as Inter-Miami head coach. As always, please don't forget to follow us on all our social media channels, including YouTube. We're very close to a, a benchmark there, so please give us a follow there. And as always, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. For Steve Brenner, I am Franco Penizo. Enjoy watching the game. Enjoy attending the game if you're going. And we'll talk to you guys again.